appreciate everybody's help and cooperation here uh, today. Sorry for the wait. Um, just trying to put the finishing touches on a few things here today. Uh, but we'll just go back and kind of review the uh, the picks that were made. Went into the day with seven picks, I believe. Ended up picking five players. So we started fourth round there with a Yelda Froholt. That's as close to my Danish I'll probably get on that one. But uh, interesting story. Um, you know, I'm not sure who had more enjoyment on that pick was Brett or, or the kid, but uh, Brett was pretty involved on the phone after the, uh, after the pick, so they could talk about their recruiting days when he brought him into the program. But interesting player, started his career as a defensive lineman, and then he transitioned to the offensive line. They ended up playing basically three years as a starter, never missed a game. Um, played against a, a number of good players, a number of good people. Uh, smart, got good size, um, pretty good playing strength. Has played kind of multiple positions inside there, so... Um, you know, good football player against good people kind of fits the mold of some of the other players that we talked about here a little bit over the last few days. Uh, and then the second pick there in the fourth round, so we picked at 133 and then traded out at 134. Uh, picked uh, Jared Stedham, the quarterback from Auburn. Um, another player that's transfer, Baylor background. A lot of people probably know his, his background, leaving Baylor and then going to Auburn. Uh, but pretty productive player. Um, System is probably a little bit different relative to what he's going to play in um, offensively here, but really smart kid. Uh, we had another, a number of interactions with him along the way. Um, smart player, takes care of the football, uh, pretty good arm strength, um, fairly athletic for not a running quarterback, but he has decent movement skills. So um, certainly be competitive with the rest of the players that we have at the position. So then we moved 134 out with the two-fifths. Um, that was the uh, the Rams trade, one of the Ram trades, I think. Um, and then picked with that first fifth-round pick, we picked uh, Coward, the defensive lineman from Maryland. So started his career at Auburn. Uh, a lot of good football players on that team at Auburn, some of whom were drafted, some of whom are going to get drafted next year, transferred to Maryland. Um, played defensive end, it was a five-technique, and they're kind of three-man front. They were really a three-four defense, um, so he played a little bit more five-technique. but. Probably a little bit more of a of a run player. I mean, this guy's really thick when you see him. This guy's, I mean, he's well built, really strong, uh, plays powerful at the point of attack. Um, so does some decent, did some decent things at Auburn, um, did some decent things at Maryland as well. Um, and then with the second pick there, uh, drafted the punter uh, from Stanford, uh, Bailey. Um, pretty athletic kid, um, a great kid. I mean, great traits, smart, mature. So it's really nothing more than competition. I mean, it's, we'll see how it goes. Our whole thing is we don't make really commitments to anybody how it's going to go. The competition sorts itself out, and you know we'll we'll let it play out. Um, and then kind of move those seventh round picks around. Kind of got rid of them. Ended up with the the one pick there at the uh, at the end, and took Webster the corner from Ole Miss. Um, really, really good player. 2016 um, had some injuries that he sustained um, in, in 17 or whatever year that was. Um, and then he kind of worked his way back. I'd say similar to Cross, and just from a standpoint of outstanding testing numbers, I mean, really explosive. I mean, in terms of his speed, his explosiveness, I mean, like eye-popping numbers. Now, you know, there's an element that has to translate over to the field, but from a physical, athletic, trait standpoint, there's a lot of good qualities, and he played uh, against some pretty good people, um, you know, on a weekly basis. So... So added those five players to the players that we picked up here over the last few days. There'll be some work here to be done post-draft free agency, so there'll be some moving parts, and then we'll just kind of transition to the next phase of the off-season program. Our players will be here on Monday 
for phase two, where we actually start to get involved a little more on the field with the coaches and with the players. And then we'll continue the team building process here throughout the spring. So I'm sure there'll be some moving parts between now and September when we play our first game. So, I mean, nothing's really set in stone. So we'll take it one day at a time and just try to continue to improve the team as best we can. So take some questions from there. Jared said that he, he met with you for quite a while at his pro day. Um, how much did he impress you in that meeting? And how much did that play into taking him at this point? Yeah, I mean, everything goes into it. I mean, everything goes into it. So it's just part of our process that we go through. But he's a smart kid. Uh, pretty mature, uh, picks things up well. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, he's going to transition into a system that's a little bit different just in terms of play calling and some of the other things that, you know, he's going to be asked to do here. So, you know, he's an impressive kid. Um, you know, he's very mature. Um, so, you know, we'll see how it goes. Does the system at Auburn kind of hold him back a little bit? It seems like he was talking about they didn't necessarily find their identity. And maybe in retrospect, he said, I think they should have opened up more. Yeah, Mike, I think kind of what we talked a little bit about yesterday, I mean, the system is the system, so kind of we're moving forward. And whatever actually happened in the past doesn't really have any bearing on what we're going to do. So the things that we're going to have to do may be similar, may be different. So how he handles our our information, our volume, our system, how that goes. Because I think you have to kind of evaluate the player from a skill standpoint. The system component factors into some degree, but in the end you kind of have to be able to sort of look past that and look forward kind of them transition them forward kind of into our system and just try to see how they assimilate to the things that we're going to do. Yeah, so. how different is the information you're trying to glean when you're going to visit a kid for the first time versus <coughs> when you then later host him on a visit having already met with him? I'd say along the way, it's really what you're trying to do is look for confirmation or if there's any sort of discrepancies like, well, school said one thing, well, we found something different. So if there's a gap, then you try to fill that gap or has there been a consistent pattern all the way throughout? So. I wouldn't say it's necessarily anything different that you're trying to do. You're trying to confirm what you have. Okay, is this the information? Does it seem accurate? Does this match up? Okay, well, we have a little bit of a gap here. Okay, let's delve a little bit further into that. So along the way, we're trying to arrive really at the same point to create one profile of the player and say, okay, here's what we think it in based, here's what we think it is based on all the information that we've accumulated to this point. So I wouldn't say whatever the interaction is, it's not necessarily different. The further along you get into the process, maybe there's something specific that you really want to drill down on. So, well, knowing it's only a few days of work at the Senior Bowl, how valuable was it to see Jarrett in that environment, knowing that the offense that he was going to be running there was different from what he ran in college, and it might be a little bit more similar to sure. the NFL? Yeah, the great thing about the Senior Bowl, you're seeing some of the best players and have actually been some underclassmen that have been incorporated into that mix. So you're seeing them against good competition, and it's a different dynamic or different situation that they've been placed in. You're kind of taking them out of their environment that they've been in and kind of giving them something new and see how they handle it. So against good people, you know, because a lot of those players that were there, I'm sure we'll go back and look at this, see who was at the Senior Bowl, how many players were drafted, how many players were on rosters, and there's probably going to be a decent correlation. So. It's just you get to an opportunity to evaluate them in a different environment and kind of see how they handle that transition or something different. So, important. I remember Jimmy went to the Senior Bowl in '14. It was probably pretty different from what he was running at Eastern, and maybe allowed people to see something different. I don't know. Yeah, Phil. I think the Senior Bowl, everything is so watered down because even the teams that are there, they're really not putting their system in place. They're basically giving the players, okay. Here's what we're going to do. I mean, look, they can run two coverages, right, on defense. And the volume of plays that you can actually run is probably going to be limited. So 
it's pretty it's a little narrow in scope relative to what they're actually going to get so it's just something new or something different and you can see how they handle that because the other thing too you're throwing a guy like you've never worked with before right timing body language execution so there's just a lot of different elements so honestly you're just going to see how they handle the environment relative to the other players that they're going against when you're at 167 in the fifth round and you got the punter on your radar and you go up to 163 to, to go get him, giving up the late seven. Do you have intelligence there that at 164, 165, 166, someone's coming up to get him, you want to leap someone? Is that why that move is made? Not necessarily. It might be more of like, we have a lot of picks, we're probably not going to be able to use them. So, I mean, if we're not going to, if we're going to pick players, that, I mean, there's only so many players that we can pick, or you start to, you know, run out of players at some point that you're actually going to pick. So, it's supply and demand, and it's pick by, like how many players. And if you look at our team, like you only have so many spots. So I mean, we have a pretty competitive roster, but you only go up to 90. So we just start adding players. Well, it's going to come at the expense of somebody else. So I think it's more of a situation where just you kind of have some picks, and you might not be able to use them. So you know, maybe just move up a few spots, and it could save you somewhere else along the way. Nick, you guys have had a lot of success you know, after the first round, second, third, fourth, fifth round, finding starters. Was this a good draft? To do that was that one of the strengths of this draft the depth yeah i mean i think it all depends on on what you're looking for and what you're trying to do i mean our our system and our process is, is pretty similar just wherever we are so we just try to find players that a we like b we think fit and i mean look the draft it's it's an exact science i mean for me to sit here up and tell you anything different i mean look everybody puts a lot of time and a lot of the resources and even with that, sometimes it's a 50-50 proposition. So we just try to work through our process and try to stay consistent. And the one thing that we try to do is just work through, you know, we talked about this last night, work across and work up and down. And even when we're picking players, whatever round it is, sometimes we, our conversation is, well, look, you know, who's been the most consistently highest graded player? Then pick that player as opposed to, well, there's another guy over there. Yeah, we like him. But then to take a guy maybe a little bit lower, just to take him in another position. So... We, those conversations are, are really organic because it's all predicated on, on what's in front of you. So that's the one thing we've just tried to do. And you know, we just try to do the best job we can with the opportunities that present themselves. What's the focus now for college scouts at this point of the calendar? <coughs> Excuse me. Is it as simple as just hitting the reset button and kind of going back to zero? What's it's a great question, Chris. So basically, there are road scouts. So throughout March, a little bit of April, you kind of have the pro day circuit, right? And then as a part of that, you're actually starting to work on some of the spring scouting, you know, because you have the junior days, junior prospects, heightweight speed, get some of that information. You can start to accumulate some background information while you're at the school at the actual pro day for next year. And then once that, once the pro days are done, then the, the road scouts or area scouts are, are focused on the 2020 draft. So our guys were here through the past three or four days. And while the draft's going on, they're watching the draft and they're watching prospects in their area for next year so we can put together our spring prospectus. So it's a continuous moving target. And I mean, our guys do a great job. They take a lot of pride in, in what they do and it shows. And they're as important to the process as anybody because a lot of the, the players that we pick is based on a lot of the work and information they've accumulated that we have in our database that we resort to, I'd say, on a pretty regular basis. And then even once they transition from college to pro, they kind of flip in the system, and then we still have all that information. So it's a player on another team that's not here. Okay, well, somewhere along the line, if he comes into our program, well, let's go back and look at the information. What do we have on him? Oh, okay. So 
and that you know sometimes it matches up, or sometimes it it helps you make a decision on a player that otherwise you wouldn't you wouldn't have that information. How much stock do you put in you know tape that wasn't from 2018 for some of these guys, like you mentioned Ken you know, in 2016 or Jared last year in 2017? It's a great question. It's a great question. Um, everything's important. So obviously, when there's a little bit of a gap in time like that. You know, you kind of maybe be able to look at a player, say like peak performance, like what did that look like, and then see, okay, maybe it's taking a little bit of time to get to that same level of performance. So, but uh, these players, they mature over the course of hopefully, you know, two to three years. So what they were as a sophomore may be different than what they are as a senior, and you kind of see that, see that progression. I mean, I think, I mean, not that it's really germane to this discussion, but like Josh Allen, okay, from Kentucky. So here was a player who. Probably he could have come out as a junior, didn't come out, and so he went back to school and he basically made himself a top ten pick based on his performance, his production, his play, and it's a credit to him. So there's a good example of a player who went from 16 to 17, 17, like he's a good player, you know, went from 17 to 18 and made himself into one of the best players in the draft. So it, depending on the circumstance and situation, you might be able to use some of the information, but what they're doing currently is relevant, and then you have to be able to say, okay. Here's what we think it's going to be. Like this is what it was. Here we can, he can get back to the level or not. So we'll, we'll have to test that when they get here. But in certain situations, it may be a little bit more applicable than others. Year, all these drafts must be so different to manipulate. The needs are different. The players are different. The way the board maps out. Was this draft one that you felt comfortable in all the way through? Didn't felt feel sped up. You felt as if you know the guys who were there the. the machinations and strategy you wanted to use were, were there um, relative to other drafts. Was this an easy draft? Do you walk away from this saying, I, I like the way we, we operated? That's a good question, Tom. I think it's pretty consistent year to year, and we just try to stay true to our process throughout the way. And I wouldn't say that we've deviated much from that. I mean, we go through, set the board, grade the players, look at the board, and take the information and just as the players come off, there's a reactionary element. Like, you can try to project as much as you want. Like, okay, this guy's going to go here. This guy's going to go there. What if we do this? Okay, you can spend some time on that. But it's really more as it's happening, okay, then what's the application? And then make your decision. Okay, and if you lose a player, okay, you go to the next guy. So, I mean, you can't look back. You just have to move forward. So, I mean, the group that we have does a phenomenal job. We've worked together on a pretty consistent basis over the last however many years. So. I mean, they make it easier on all of us because of how well and efficient they do their job. So, were in those ten-minute periods, five-minute periods, where there's ever ever a period where it felt frantic, or it's just boom, let's make this call, see if they're or you've already made the calls to try and set up trades if it's coming up. Combination of both. Combination of both because trades are very player-specific and very player-driven based on the needs or interests of the other team. So. We'll reach out, you know, they'll reach out, hey, what do you think? And then we'll look at it and we'll make a decision, okay, well, if we do this, well, here's what would happen. So there's a reactionary element and you just have to, you know, make a decision. You just can't vacillate. You just have to make a decision, okay, and move forward and whatever the circumstances are. I mean, it's kind of in a game. Like, okay, what happens on second down? All right, boom, we got to transition to third down and go to the next play. So to a certain extent, it's similar to a game-like element. So like I said, we're blessed to have a lot of great people that are part of the process that make it very efficient, very clean. So, I mean, it's it, that portion of it, I'd say, has been pretty consistent here for the last however many years. So it's really more credit to them.
Do you have to Go factor ahead. in just the number of bodies that you want to add? You, you, it's a good question. You have to look at where you are from a team standpoint. So I think we, we started the day, we were probably roughly 70 players on the roster. So, okay, we had 12 picks. Okay, we ended up picking with 10. So there's 80. Okay, signed some players after the draft. So, and every player that you add, okay, if you go over X, okay, you're going to have to make a decision on somebody else. So that's where, okay, you could have all these draft picks. Okay, well, how many roster spots do you have? So some of that plays into it. So there'll be some movement probably here over the next however many weeks. I mean, guys will come on, undrafted players will come on, players will come off. And that's part of like, we're evaluating our team along the way. And we're just trying to put together as competitive a group as possible really kind of looking ahead to training camp. I mean, the spring's important, training's important, OTAs are important, but the most important thing is, okay, where are we going to be in training camp? And then just trying to set our team up so that we can have a competitive situation, you know, come August. Do you feel like adding 12 would have been okay? You could, the roster could have handled that? Or did you enter the draft sort of feeling like, eh, it might be good to package a couple of these here and there and have a smaller number? I think it's really depend like who are we talking, who are we picking? You know, the type of player, the quality of player that you're actually picking and is it realistic? Like, okay, are they really going to have an opportunity to, to make the team? Or maybe they fit into a different category classification. So, you know, 10, 12, 9, 8, I mean, we've drafted as little as what, four or five players one year, then we've drafted 10, 11, 12. So, it's constantly a little bit of moving target, so it doesn't really, there's not one specific formula like, okay, we need this many players in this draft. But you do have to manage your numbers because you can only have so many that you take to training camp. When you are trading into a spot, is there transparency about who wants which player? So if you're giving up the thing, <laughs> is that No, well, <laughs> they're not telling you who they're picking. You know, I mean, you might do the consummate the trade and then just ask them, well, who are you picking? And they say, okay, got it. And then just move on. So, because you, like, once you agree to the trade, oh, you're picking, oh, wait, no, hold on. Got, no, you can't do that. Because you actually have to, both teams have to communicate with the league, right? Okay, so let's say you call me, hey, want to do a trade. Okay, what's the compensation? Boom, 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 boom. Okay, we've agreed to that. Okay, great. Call the league. Both teams have to call the league. And then they tell you, all right. You're confirmed. We have a trade. We have an agreement. You're on the clock. Like it's not. Well, who are you picking? Oh, okay. Well, hold on. Can we go? Like Ken? Like the trades? I mean, can't, you can't do that. So <laughs> it'd be great, but <laughs> you can't do that. Yelda, obviously, you can lean on Brett a little bit on that pick. Is that a similar process to when maybe you're signing a player that Josh worked with for the Rams or the Broncos, or is it different because you're still projecting a player to the pros from college? That's a good question. That's a really good question. I think wherever you can accumulate information that you think can help you in your evaluation and your assessment is important, whether it's a former coach, whether it's a former teammate or former player. I mean, look, you, and you want them to be honest, you know, just, just want an honest answer like, okay, what did you think of this player? Okay, what would you like on a daily basis? Okay, so wherever you can gather information, it's important. And I would say there's varying levels of sources at different places so there's the ones that you can rely on there's others that okay they'll give you some information but okay is the real information so you have to work through that but you try to to use whatever resources and tools that you can before a player comes into your program just to make see whether or not like this is a player that actually fit and here's why you may or may not that you might go back to previous years that players have played to, to help contribute to the evaluation I'm wondering how far back you guys are willing to go at times because somebody like Byron sounded like he was maybe the number one recruit in the country coming out of high school. 
would that be something that would get somebody on your radar just in terms of, hey, this guy might be a pretty special athlete compared against this you know, really wide range of people, even though it was years ago? That's a good question, Phil. I mean, you, you, you build a file, but as we know, some of those recruiting rankings and services sometimes are a bunch of hot air. So if, if a player was highly thought of coming out of high school and is highly recruited, it's, it's in the background, it's in the notes, but then ultimately, okay, it's like a, a player. Okay, you could think a player is highly thought of in college. Okay, then when he gets to the NFL, like, respectfully, none of that really matters because what's going to matter is your performance when you're actually here. So in some respects, it's similar to the high school situation, but, you know, there's a lot of players that were pretty highly recruited. They were, you know, whatever they were coming out. So you're, you're going to go back, not necessarily, and use that, but, okay, Obviously, he was a well-thought-of player. Okay, then once he gets here, okay, well, then what does he do when he's actually there? So. Mentioned to um, sort of a five technique maybe in uh, was a Maryland scheme or Auburn scheme, one of those. Um, do you view him sort of similarly in terms of his transition to the NFL? Is he you know, like a Lawrence guy type where you could use him in a variety of different spots? Yeah, I mean, we're obviously a multiple front. So we play a lot of different fronts, and there's a lot of different areas that they can play. I mean, you know, Trey Flowers played defensive end. Sometimes he was a zero technique over the nose and some of the sub fronts. So, I mean, try to figure out, like, where he's going to best utilize his skills and his physical attributes. So, I mean, he's, a, he's 6'3", 300 pounds. So he's kind of a bigger type of player, you know, versus Derek Rivers and some of those edge guys who are following the 255, like Winovich, you know, 255, 260. So they're a little bit different. So. You know, whether or not he can move along the front here a little bit, we'll find out when he gets here. Nick, if I could sneak in kind of a two-for-one. Um, two-for-one, like a two-for-one trade. Yeah, if I can sneak it in. Um, the first part would be, you guys didn't draft a tight end. Was that just the way the board fell in front of you, or was it reflective of how you guys felt about that position in this draft? And then the second question is just Bailey, right-footed punter. We, we're used to left-footed punters, and how much did that play into the fact that he's a right-footed punter? Not much. I mean, you're just evaluating the players. I know that's been a topic of discussion that we've had 56 left-footed punters since, you know, Bill's been here. But, I mean, punting, there's a lot of different things that go into punting. So, I mean, it's just the spin of the ball is going to be a little bit different and those types of things. So, I think you just look at the player on its own. Uh, to your first question on the whole tight end position, I mean, look, we just like we work across the board and we try to rank the players accordingly. I mean, were there opportunities for us there? I mean, possibly. So it's always relative to what are your other options? What else are you, are you, are you looking at? So, Nick, Jared talked about how he talked to you guys about needing to improve his feel in the pocket and like not being so sped up. Is that something that, that's easily coachable? And how do you kind of evaluate that when you want to fix something like that? Yeah, I think the big thing with any player, just try to give them a foundation. You know, that they're going to learn the system element. Okay, come in, give them foundation, learn our terminology learn our techniques, okay, and then the on-field coaching that takes place, that's going to be up to guys like Josh and work with the quarterback. So there will be a building block progression that goes into and that we'll try to identify, like, okay, here is something that you can't give a player, like, okay, here are 12 things you need to work on. Okay, here are the things that are probably, like, let's focus on these initially. Okay, once you get that, then move to the next thing. So, you know, whatever a player's skill is or whatever some things that we feel are going to improve and make him a better player, we try to identify, try to give them information, and here's – Here's how you can improve it. So, I mean, it's a step-by-step -step process. I mean, the biggest thing for them, we talked about this last night, will be for them to get here and just assimilate our program, get on our program, and kind of start to establish a little bit of routine for themselves because everything that, that they do is going to be brand new.
making the evaluation decision. What were the games or moments that most stood out in terms of like leadership and intangibles? Yeah, there's never a moment. It's a really a culmination of everything. I mean, this guy was a two-year starter in a good program, you know, playing against good people on a uh, on a weekly basis. So it's really never one thing. It's always a combination of just of everything put together that go into the players' evaluation. Nick, you have a final question. You have close to like six or seven guys coming off of injured reserve or not being used much from last year's draft as well. How much did that factor into some of the decision making in this draft in terms of how you attack positions? It's a good question. It necessarily isn't going to decision making. I mean, those players are at different stage in terms of their overall development. So this will be an important offseason. Really, a lot of them have been training, call it since January, February, because even if they were limited during the season, there are things that they can do. So they're further ahead of where they were relative to last year. Now, let's see how much further ahead they can get. I mean, they're going to have some opportunities in front of them here. And so spring will be, these are the players that the spring is really advantageous for. Go through a full off season of training, get on the field, you know, coaching sessions, okay, OTA, phase three. So then you can see over the course of three, four months, okay, how much progress have they made relative to, to their first season. You know, I mean, going back, I mean, James White, Trey Flowers, I mean, those guys basically didn't play as rookies. Shane Vereen hardly played. So then they transitioned into their second year, and you're just kind of looking for a, a progression and see if they can take any steps really to give themselves an opportunity to be competitive when we get to training camp. So the, when you look at, say, like linebacker this year, you've got a couple of guys coming off of that last year that, you know, may have shown you something you didn't feel like that decided, well, we don't need this kid or anything like that? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's not necessarily need-based as much as it is, like, player relative to what other options you have when you bring them, you know, when you pick the player, draft the player. So, all right. One have final. A, final. One, one, one final. Thank you. This is like a three-for-one or is no, this? No, okay. Just a one. All right. Just one question. Okay. Right. Um, now that these picks are over, gone, used, how does that crystallize for you guys moving forward if you want to make a trade for a player who's already in the NFL, a veteran player, a player on another roster? Yeah, we'll take it one day at a time. I mean, nothing's going to happen overnight. So, I mean, obviously a lot of players have been added to 32 teams in the league, including ours. So, you know, we'll assess where teams are, kind of look back on, on the roster building phase of it and we kind of transition into there'll be another phase here that we'll go into, call it from now until it's called the middle of June, middle of July. So I'm sure there's some players that will factor in here at some point. So, all right. Have a great weekend. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it.